house today if you can't feel God in this house you might want to check your pulse because you might not be with us God is moving hallelujah Jesus And this is what happens when we get an army of people fasting and praying for revival. Hallelujah. Yes, the Lord hears our prayers. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to get right into the word of God. I'm already tired. I'm supposed to be the one with energy. Woo, we're worshiping God today. Ezekiel 37 and 5. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again hallelujah jesus does anybody feel alive in the house today hallelujah jesus yes lord you guys can be seated hallelujah boy we're having revival we are having revival in this house and i'm going to take a second to talk to you guys about community revival how important this is you know we were planning to do something big with the youth group we knew we wanted to do it in the winter and we were talking about what we we're going to do and God put it on my heart to have a revival and to bring them into the house of God but you can have that vision on your own but it doesn't work on your own like I'm like okay God I'll do it but how do I do this like how do how do I get everybody together and it took a community to pull it off that's what it took and I'm so grateful for everybody who helped, everybody who was a part of it. Like so many people had to come alongside this vision to make it come true. But we've got a house full of good, godly people, and we are practicing community in this house. And I can see and feel it already. Yes, the Lord is good. So I was getting ready. So the Lord told me to do revival, and I'm getting ready to do this revival. So I started thinking about and praying about and fasting about revival what is 
revival. Because I'm going to tell you what, it's not just these three days that we planned out. And it's not what was going on in this building just now. And it's not, revival is in the heart. Revival comes from here, guys. Revival is when I choose God and I choose life over death. When I choose the one who is life over everything this world has to offer, that's when I experience revival in my life. So I was talking with God and praying and fasting and thinking about this. And God brought it to my mind that revival is, revival is literally coming from death to life. Like that's, that's the definition of the word. And as I was praying about it, God showed me that revival is repentance. That's what it is. And if you look at it, I mean, I know it's more, but it, revival is turning from death to life and repentance is turning from death to life. So God brought two stories to my mind from the Bible that we're going to talk about tonight. The first one, he brought to my mind the story of Jonah. Now, I've, I've preached a lot about Jonah. Pastor just preached amazing about Jonah, the sign of a prophet. And we talked all about Jonah. And when I preach about Jonah a lot, I focus on Jonah and I focus on the whale. And I, sometimes I've even preached about Jonah's bad attitude at the end. But God hit me in the middle and said, Dan, the real hero of the book of Jonah is the king and the people. Oh, so we're going to take a look at this real quick because Nineveh, Nineveh was a crazy city, guys. Nineveh was a bad city. They, they didn't choose God. They, they didn't choose right. They were wicked. There was murder. There was chaos. There was craziness. And we see that in our world today. Nineveh could be anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world where they stop focusing on Jesus and they start living for their own agendas. And that's exactly what Nineveh was at. But God sends a prophet. God sends a prophet. And we've talked a lot about how hard it was to get that prophet to actually go there. But again, we're going to take a look at the king and the people. Because Jonah had to do what Jonah had to do. God forced Jonah to do that. But it says in Jonah chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 4 through 10. And starting in verse 4, it says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days... And Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. He didn't go there and tell them to repent. He didn't go there and tell them how to fix their problem. He just showed up and told them, you're about to be destroyed because you're not paying attention to God. That's what he told to these people. But it says, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them and the word came from the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid aside his robe and he covered himself in sackcloth and he sat in the ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king his nobles saying let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything do not let them eat or drink water now people that's a serious fast <laughs> like, I've been fasting this week, but I still fed my dog. <laughs> I never made the dog fast with me. But when you get serious about Jesus, when you get serious about Jesus, 
Now, Nineveh heard that destruction was on the way. I don't want to wait until I know destruction's on the way. I want to get serious about Jesus right now. There's some benefits from living for Jesus, guys. There's some blessings from living for Jesus. But nobody is too far from that blessing. Nineveh is a wicked city. This is a terrible people. But God still is in the business of resurrecting people from the dead. Hallelujah. I don't care how bad our community looks. God's still in the business of bringing things back from the dead to life. He is life. And if we can be in him, we'll be in life. But they got serious. They, des they decided everybody's going to fast. But let men and beasts be covered in sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil ways, from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his furious anger so that we may not perish? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a preacher right here in Ypsilanti that will tell you, God will turn from his ways and not cause you to perish if you turn your life towards him. If you put him back on the throne of your life, you'll never taste death. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Then God saw their works and he turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he has said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. I think they had revival in Nineveh. I think they had revival in Nineveh. I'm sure on day 41, somebody was praising God in that place. Somebody was worshiping God. I was supposed to be dead, but I'm alive. Hallelujah. You're never going to fast and, and grow close to God and not see a benefit. If you'll fast and you'll put him on the throne, you'll see amazing things done in your life. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. We want revival in this city. We need to live lives of repentance. You know, I kind of had to have a talk with God. I said, you know, we're doing a revival, God, and, and you're making me preach about repentance. <laughs> but he showed me how important this is. Because repentance is not just saying I'm sorry one time. Repentance isn't just when I mess up, then I repent. Repentance is a lifestyle that says I choose Jesus over everything this world has to give me. Everything, Lord. You are my all in all, God. That's living a life of repentance. And from the least to the greatest in this house, we all need to repent. We all need to walk in that lifestyle of choosing God over anything the enemy tries to tempt you with. Because anything this world has to offer you is death or dying. But we only know one that's full of life. We only know one who is the life. Hallelujah. And his word is alive and living. Hallelujah. That's why we spend time in the word. I'm, if you walked in this room today feeling a little bit dead, you're not leaving the same way you came. When we leave today, we're leaving here with life in us. We're leaving here with a fire of God in us. Too many people in this, in this community have been fasting and praying for revival for us not to see that outcome. So I don't care what you thought when you came in here. God's going to move in a mighty way today in this house. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. He's the God of revival. Yes, he is. But you know, Nineveh was a, Nineveh was a bad city. They were terrible people. So, so some of you might not be able to relate to that. You're like, okay, Dan, I get it. But I'm not Nineveh. I'm church. I'm doing good. We've been in revival all weekend. But that's not the only time that God's revived people in the Bible. So we're going to take a look at Jesus' best friend. We're going to take a look in the book of John at the story of Lazarus. Brother Jordan came up and preached. Pastor Jordan did a phenomenal job on Friday. It was so good. He, he, he preached, let me reintroduce you to myself. And he introduced our youth group again to Jesus. And it was powerful how he did it. And at the end of it, he kind of confirmed what I was going to preach because he started stepping on my notes a little bit. And he was talking about Lazarus. But he was talking about how when they came and told Jesus that Lazarus had died, they came and they called him and they said, they told him about his friend passing away. But they didn't go to him and say, Jesus, the person who likes you has died. They didn't go to him and say, hey, your friend Lazarus who believes in you has passed away. They didn't even go to him and say, hey, Lazarus, the one who loves you, Jesus, has died. They didn't go to him and say that. They went to Jesus and they said, your friend who you love has died. And Pastor Jordan talked about how amazing that is. To appeal to Jesus, they didn't talk about how much they loved him and how much Lazarus loved him, but they reminded Jesus how much he loves Lazarus. Some of us need to remind Jesus how much you love me, God. Yeah, this is the one you love, Jesus, calling out. Hey, I need help because you love me, Jesus. It isn't always about how much we love him. We need to tap into how much he loves us. Hallelujah. That's why there's revival. It's not because of how much we love him. It's because of how much he loves us. That he ain't going to leave you in a dead place. He's going to raise you to life. Revival's all about love. It's all about love in the end. It's about his love towards us, and it's about our reaction to his love. That's why repentance is revival. Baptism is revival. You know, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. We get to experience life. I don't have to be dead. I don't have to stay in the grave. I get to walk in newness of life because he made a way where there was no way. Hallelujah. Because he's a God of revival. And it's time for us to taste a little bit of this community revival in this house. Hallelujah. So let's look at John chapter 11, starting in verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Oh, right there alone will preach. When you hear Jesus coming, are you going to go out to meet him or are you going to stay at home with the dead? Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming, everybody. Jesus is on his way. We can hear the rain coming, Jesus. We better run out to meet him. We better run out to meet him. I don't want to stay in the house with the dead when my Lord and Savior's on his way. But even now, she comes to Jesus and she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Oh, you know how many times I've thought that? You know how many times I've looked at my brothers and they've passed away and I've thought to myself, if Jesus would have been with them, they'd have never died. If Jesus would have been here, they'd have never spiritually died. We better spend some time with Jesus. We better get close to Jesus because there's an enemy who wants to seek, kill, and destroy every one of you, but God's still giving life and life more abundant. Hallelujah, Jesus. All we got to do is stick with Jesus. Hallelujah. But she goes on to say, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Hallelujah. Jesus is still speaking that over this house right now. You will rise again. The enemy may have knocked you down, but you will rise again. Because we serve a God who brings us up. We serve a God who gives us life. Hallelujah. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the end of the last days. Yeah, we're all going to rise again, everybody. And that's what she's saying. Yeah, Lord, I know you're good. I know he's going to rise again in the next days. But she's not looking at it still from this positive point of view. She still isn't looking at it like the power that God holds in his hand. And Jesus told her, Oh, here he goes. Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Hallelujah. There better not be anybody crying at my funeral because I'm not dying. I'm just going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Even after dying, you will live again. Hallelujah. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Mm, hallelujah. We'll never die. Man, there's something good to that, guys. Like we, we walk around with this fear of death. But when we look at things the way Jesus looks at things, we don't have to be afraid. I'm not dying. I'm going from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? This is the question that Jesus poses to her. And it's so important because she needs to believe this. And Jesus is posing the same question to everybody in this house today. Do you still believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you still believe that no weapon formed against me can prosper? Because he's on my side and I'm on his side. So together we're going to have life. And all the plans of the enemy is going to fail. Do you believe that tonight? Come on, give the Lord some loud praise if you really believe that. And Martha responded like you guys, yes, Lord. She told him, yes, Lord. 
I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came into the world from God. It's important that we hold on to some truths in our life. It's important that we don't let the enemy trick us and deceive us and convince us that God's still not on the throne. He came to this earth. He's still on this earth. He's working miracles every day on our behalf. We don't even know how many times the enemy's tried to take us out. And because he's at our side, he can't. We don't even know. But I do know we serve a God who is a way maker, who's a miracle worker, who loves you and wants to bring you to life. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we're going to skip down a little bit further because Jesus ends up going with her and they're going to the grave and everybody's like, he is dead, he is gone. But in verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. You hear that? Jesus was angry. Let me tell you what. Jesus is angry about the death that the enemy is trying to bring into your life. He's angry about what the enemy's trying to destroy in your life. Sometimes I've heard people say, God don't care. God don't care that I'm, that I'm going through stuff. But the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says he's angry that the enemy's trying to destroy you. He's angry that he put him in the grave. He's angry at what's going on in our world. But he talked to Martha. Do you believe, Martha? Because it's important that we believe if we want to see the results that God wants to bring to our life he's angry but he needs our faith to partner with him so that we can choose life over death it says the cave had a stone rolled across the entrance Oh, man, I wonder if God was thinking, yep, I know how to deal with these stones over these entrances. I'm going to deal with that in a little bit here. Someone's going to roll a stone in front of my grave, too. But guess what? I am the resurrection and the life. Ain't no stone going to keep me in my grave. I don't care what the enemy puts in front of my tomb. My God can open a way and let me walk right out of that grave back into life again. And God says for powerful little words. And again, these words are still echoing over your life today. He said, roll the stone away. Hallelujah, Jesus. Open up the graves. It's time for revival. Hallelujah, Jesus. Ain't no grave going to hold me down. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Roll the stone aside. And Jesus told them. And but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Now she was the one that was just talking to him. She was, he just asked her, Do you believe? Do you believe? And so many times we do that in our own lives. I'm guilty of it. We're one second. God's like, Dan, do you believe? Yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Okay, well, come up out of that grave. But God, it's been four days now. Oh, it's getting pretty stinky around here, God. I don't know. I don't know no more. Like, I know I just told you that I believe, but now it got serious. Do you really believe? We worshiped and praised a minute ago when I said, do you guys believe? We were like, yes, we believe. But what happens when your brother's in the grave? 
Do you still believe? Oh, because it's important. The enemy wants to test our faith. He wants to know where's that line at? Where are you not going to cross? Where's your faith going to end? But guess what? There is no end to our faith because there's no end to our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Nothing is impossible for him. She tells him he's been dead for four days. The smell is terrible. Guess what, guys? I don't care who he is. I don't care where they've been. Nobody's too dead for Jesus. Nobody stinks too much for Jesus. Hallelujah. He can bring the dead to life. So if they're dead, perfect. That's the perfect thing he needs because now he can bring it to life. Now he can show his miraculous power. Hallelujah, Jesus. Sometimes I get crazy about it. Like the worst is sinner, I get excited. I'm like, oh yeah, this one's bad. Let's watch God clean him up. Because he's in the business of resurrecting. It's in the, like we can see it when somebody who's been good for a long time and they come to God, you're like, okay, that's great and all. But when someone's a heathen and all of a sudden they're living a good life and they're praising God and they're full of life, now all of a sudden that speaks to people. So we better not believe anybody's too dead. Let's go out and look for the dead. Let's go out and look for the most dead person we can find. And let's show the world he's still resurrecting. He's still a God of revival. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Doesn't the word of God say we're going to see his glory if we believe? Doesn't the Bible tell us if I fast and pray, we're going to have revival. We better start believing what the word of God says. I don't want to hear what the enemy's saying. I don't care how long he's been dead. I don't care how much he stinks. The word of God says he can bring him back to life. If you believe. That's why it's so important, guys. That's why faith is so important. We can move mountains if we believe. Yes, I can say to that tree, be cast into the ocean if I believe. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's willing. He's ready to partner with us. He wants to bring revival. He likes bringing things from death to life. All he's waiting on is for someone to get enough faith in him to speak life into everything around him and tell death, you gotta go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. And we've got a house full of people right here. We've got a house full of people who got enough faith to raise the dead today. We've got a house full of faith tonight where we can win this whole city to Jesus. That's how we're going to see community revival. Hallelujah, Jesus. So they rolled the stone aside. It's funny how much they like to talk in between obeying. He already told them to roll that stone aside. They want to have a little bit of a conversation. I do that with God too a lot. He's like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, well... He's like, it'd already been done. If you wouldn't have argued, <laughs> I'd already raised him. If you guys would have moved the stone the first time I spoke. But it takes believing. They had to believe. So if God doesn't mind taking an extra second to talk to us to get our faith up. He doesn't mind spending an extra second. Hey, let me remind you. Didn't I say you see some glory? 
Didn't I tell you God was going to do some amazing things? Come on, boost that faith up. Boost that faith up because we're going to see something amazing. Now you got your faith up? You got your faith up? All right, go ahead. Roll that stone aside. Roll that stone aside because it's time for revival. Hallelujah, Jesus. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. Oh, I believe, guys. I believe. In my heart, I believe. But I better speak it out loud so some people around me start believing too. Right? You want to get your neighbor to have a little bit of faith? Start speaking out loud. Because that's what's going to teach them how we believe. This is what we do. So, yeah, I knew you were going to hear me, God. I just said this out loud. I wanted them to know. Because I know you're a way maker. I know you're a miracle worker. I know you've got resurrection power. How much did Jesus need to have this before he went to the cross? He's like, yeah, we're going to watch some glory, guys. Because I know he's got resurrection power. The same power that's going to pull me out of the grave is going to pull my buddy out of the grave. Oh, did you hear that? The same power that pulled you out of the grave will pull your friends out of the grave. Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. We better believe that. I don't care if my friend's been dead longer than me. He's still in the business of resurrecting. I said this for all the people's sake who are standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted. Oh, again, he shouted it, and it's still echoing today. Lazarus, come out! Hallelujah! Go ahead and take Lazarus out of that sentence and put your name in it. Come out! Daniel, come out today! I don't want to be consumed by the death of the world. I don't want to live my life in the grave. It's time for me to come out of that grave and live in revival. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. You see how it works? God talks and matter obeys. Hallelujah. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He says, let there be life, and there's life. So let there be life in every one of our lives. Hallelujah. Nobody talks louder than Jesus. And what he says gets done. And the dead man came out. And his hands and his feet are bound in grave clothes. Oh, you know what? There's some people in this room today that God's brought you out of that grave and the enemy couldn't stop it. He didn't like it, but there wasn't anything he can do about it. But you know what? You still got some grave clothes binding you up. You still got a little bit of binding stuck on you. And the enemy knew he couldn't keep you in the grave, but you know what? Maybe I can keep them bound up for a little bit. Like they're alive and well, and I can't stop that. But if I could keep their hands tied, and I could keep their feet tied, then maybe their brother won't come out of the grave. Maybe somebody else won't experience life. Maybe they're alive, but maybe I could just make them look like they're dead. 
just show him a little bit. So they cut, he leave, they're in their grave clothes still. Even though he's alive. His face wrapped in a head cloth. But he's breathing. When he hadn't breathed in four days. Because God made a way. And Jesus says, he looks and he's like, yeah, he's alive now. Everything's great. But you know what? It's not all better yet. It's not all better yet. He's breathing. He's back alive. We did the miraculous, but he's still wearing grave clothes. Oh, we better take off the grave clothes. We better take off the grave clothes. Not only do I not want to be dead, I don't want to look like I'm dead to this world. I want the world to see me and see life and see Jesus and see victory and see everything that my God stands for. But, it's, but Jesus didn't just take it off him. Jesus didn't just boom and everything fell off him. Jesus spoke and he said, unwrap him and let him go. Oh man, this is so good, guys. You know, so many times there's people coming to our church and God's brought them back to life. But it's our job to unwrap them and make them look like they're alive again. Hallelujah. He speaks that to us. You unwrap them and make them look like they're alive again. I've already saved them, but it's your job. No, to love them, Pastor. To love them. To love them enough to take that grave clothes off them. To love them enough to dress them in white. Presentable to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they're not taking the grave clothes off them just because they hate the grave clothes. Oh, that's not why they're doing it. They're, they don't care about the grave clothes. The grave clothes don't even matter. I'm taking it off them so they can look like life. We get distracted sometimes. I get so mad at grave clothes. I'm just trying to rip the grave clothes off them because I'm so sick of, sick of alcohol destroying people's lives. And I'm sick of all this. It's not about the grave clothes, people. It's not. It's about them looking like they're alive so they can get faith into somebody else to come up out of that grave. So we got to stop hating the grave clothes and start loving the people. We better start loving the people. And you know what? So many times we're like, well, I don't know if they're still, if, I don't know if they're alive yet. Yeah, that's because they look like they're dead still. We haven't unwrapped them yet. But he's the God of life and he's already spoke life into them. We better get to work and start unwrapping them. We better get to work and start making them look like life again. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's not enough just to be saved. I don't want to walk around like that. It's time to get cleaned up. It's time to tell this world we serve a risen God. We serve the King of resurrection. We serve a God who can change your life from death to life. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's how we're going to see community revival. That's how we're going to have revival in this. When your heart turns towards God, to where everything you want to do is for his kingdom, to reach into the graves and pull people out, to clean them up, that's when we see revival. If I'm coming to church just to worship for me, I can worship for me anywhere. I'm coming to church to resurrect the dead. I'm coming here to bring life. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
And you realize that the more you start working and the more you start bringing people back to life, the more alive you feel. If you haven't felt alive in a little bit, snatch someone out of the grave and then talk to me about life again. Because you get so rejuvenated when you see somebody who was dead last week serving God and alive and well right now. It fills me with life. Where I want to run, I want to tell the world. Because if he did it for them and he did it for me, then he's going to do it for anyone. He'll do it for anyone as long as we believe. Hallelujah, Jesus. So they unwrapped him. And after they unwrapped him, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Guys, that's the, that's the biggest example we can give to the world. I can't tell you how many people have told me, Daniel, I wouldn't believe God could change life until I saw him change yours. That was a life to change, guys. It was a big life to change. And I'm glad it's an example. I don't care how dead I looked. I can look as dead as I wanted to. As long as it showed somebody, you're not too dead for Jesus. You'll never be too dead for Jesus. He brings the dead back to life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Many people believed there's something about resurrection power that causes other people to believe. It's contagious. When you start seeing things that don't make sense happening to people around you, you start to wonder what's going on in their life. And we know it's God who makes a way. We know it's God at work in their life that's changing everything for the better. Because the enemy isn't here to give us life. He isn't just going to leave us alone. He wants to seek and kill and destroy all of us. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ephesians. Like, I love the book of Ephesians. If you've ever heard me talk enough about the Bible, I will talk about the book of Ephesians. It's just, it's a powerful book. Because Ephesians was written to, woo, woo, woo. That was a spirit right there. <laughs> scared for me, thank you. <laughs> But the Ephesians was written to mature believers. They weren't like them Corinthians over there causing trouble. Like they were believers. They were, they were secure in the word of God. And in Revelations, God writes a message to the church of Ephesians. So this is a church that was doing good. This is a church that knew God. They were doing some things right. But he writes to them in verse 2. And he says, I know your works, your labor your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. That sounds like a pretty good church, right? Like, I'll, I'll be happy if my church is that way. If they're patient, if they, if, they can, if they don't bear with those who are evil, like, I don't want a church that's comfortable around evil people. Like, this is not a bad church. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. So they're not falling for false doctrine. They're not falling for false prophets. Like, this is a pretty good church, guys. This is Ephesians, like they're doing good. You have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So again, he's still praising them. You guys, you've done so good. You guys have done so great. Like you're not letting false doctrine creep in. Like you're being patient. You're doing all these good things, guys. But then in verse four, he says, but nevertheless... I have this against you, 
that you have left your first love. Remember wherefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It's all about love, guys. He tells them right there in the beginning, you guys, you guys are doing great things. You're a great church. Like everything's going good, guys. But you forgot your first love. You forgot what this is all about. Guys, repentance isn't something we have to do. Like, it, it's not just a rule, okay? You gotta, like, it, this is something that I get to do to express my love for God. I choose you over everything in this world, God. I don't want, like, I, I like some of the stuff about Ephesians, but I don't want to hear that from Jesus. I don't want to hear him tell me, Dan, you kind of forgot to love me. Like, like I, I'm not getting into heaven on the skin of my teeth, people. When I get to the gate, he's going to be running at me with open arms. Right? Does anybody else feel that way? He's going to know my name when I get there. He's going to know your name when you get there. Like, I've already started this relationship with him, and I can't wait to see him face to face. But I better preserve that love that I have for him that I got in the beginning. Because that's where revival comes from, guys. In the end, it's about falling in love with Jesus. That's what it's all about. I'm not going to repent if I don't love him. I'm not going to get baptized if I don't love him. I'm not going to seek after his spirit. I'm not going to walk in his ways if I don't love him. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to have faith if I don't love him. But God's calling this church to revival. And it starts with each and every one of us falling back in love with Jesus. It's time to repent, guys. It's time to fall back in love with Jesus. Lord, I know I put some things over you for a little bit. I know I've been worried about my family. And I've been worried about my job. And I've been worried about all these other things. But you know what, God? It's time for revival. It's time for me to quit worrying about the dead and start worrying about the life. It's time to put Jesus back on our throne again so that our community can have revival so the streets can have revival so we can change this city from a city that was dead to a city that's alive and on fire for Jesus and it all starts with falling back in love with him again we've got to we've got to revive it how many you know we we, we've been married, what, like 16 years now? See, I, I didn't just say it. I'm smart enough to ask. <laughs> you know, sometimes people go, well, Dan, you do a lot for God. There's people outside of church. Man, why do you do so much for that at church? That's why, because God gave me her. Man, I can't ever work enough to make that worth it. But I'm thankful every single day. Love's important. And love's not easy, guys. Like anybody who's been married, anybody who's been married the longest in this room will tell you it's not easy. Like there are some times you got to work on your marriage. Like there are some times that me and her got to go away for a little bit, have my mom and dad to watch the boys for us so that we can reunite and we can spark some revival in our love life again so that we can fall back in love like we did originally. And it requires me sacrificing a little bit. Like, I'm not going to be able to sit on the couch like I want to and just watch TV. Sometimes I get away with it. <laughs> Sometimes that's our date night, right? <laughs> but I got to sacrifice a little bit. I got to take her out. 
I got to go somewhere new with her. I got to bring her out. I got to show her how much I love her again. And God's asking the same thing for us. He wants to know that you love him again. Are you willing to sacrifice a little bit? Are you willing to put some things aside again and say, God, I got to work on our relationship again. I got to make sure we're strong still, God, because I know you're a God of life. I know you can bring us back out of the dead, God, but it's more than that. I want to be in love with you, Jesus. I want you to know how much I love you, and I want to know how much you love me. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to wrap this up. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit right now. God's about to breathe life back into this place. Hallelujah. Does anybody believe that tonight? Is anybody sick of feeling dead inside? Is anybody sick of wearing these dead clothes, these grave clothes? I'm done with it all. It's time to walk in life. It's time to walk in life. And just like I read in the beginning, he's ready to breathe life into each and every one of us this morning. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle plan, they had an altar. It was the first thing you experienced when you walked in. It's amazing if you study the tabernacle plan. And if you don't got time, go talk to Brother Carl about it. <laughs> He's already studied it. He'll tell you. But the tabernacle plan is amazing. Even if you look at the tabernacle plan from the sky, it's a cross on the ground. It was always pointing forward. It was always pointing to the church today. What we see represented in there is showing us how the church is supposed to act. That's why the church ain't never going to get rid of repentance. Because there was an altar in the Old Testament. So we're still going to practice it. There was a bison lever in the Old Testament. So we're still going to practice baptism, right? There was a holiest of holies in the tabernacle plant. So we're still believing in the Holy Spirit. We're still speaking in tongues and getting filled and getting ushered into the holy place. Because God set a plan for them a long time ago. That this is what I want in my church. This is what I require from my people. But the first thing you see when you walked into that tent was an altar. An altar that was sitting there ready for your sacrifice. And people would bring animals and they would sacrifice them and they'd put them on this altar to show God that they loved him. So that he could bring them from death back to life. In the Old Testament, they didn't even really get to experience that life. It was roll forward. It was roll forward. So I, I got all this death going on in my life. I'm going to bring an animal. I'm going to sacrifice his blood. But its blood can't save me. Its blood can't fix my death. Its blood can't resurrect me. The only thing it did was roll it forward until one day... A Messiah comes whose blood is precious, who can actually pay for everything, and you can experience life. But that Messiah came 2,000 years ago, and today life is accessible for every one of us. And the tabernacle plan is still in place. It looks different, it looks spiritual now, it ain't so physical, but it's still in play, and there's still an altar right at the door and now this is our altar this is our altar now this is where we come to make our sacrifices and guess what I don't need blood of an animal no more because we've got the Messiah we've got his living blood we've got the resurrection and the life right here in this house but this is our altar so I'm not bringing an animal 
I'm not putting anything else on this altar. Today, we're going to put ourselves back on the altar. We're going to put ourselves back on that altar. It's time for us to fall back in love with Jesus. It's time for our community to experience revival. And all it takes is a few of us getting on fire for Jesus. All it takes is some of us believing that he's still the God of resurrection. That he can still bring us from death to life. And then we can shake this foundation and we can bring life to this whole city. Stand with me today. I'm telling you guys, there's an opportunity for life right here. There's an opportunity for life right here. The Bible tells us that we stand and we, stand and we choose. He says choose. Life or death. I don't like that there's a choice, guys. I don't, I don't like that there's a choice. Like, I wish we were just all made perfect and we just served Jesus and everything was great. And it's going to be one day. I've got a promise that one day it's going to be. But right now, God still gives you a choice. And you can choose. And he's not going to push you. He ain't going to bully you. He ain't going to make you make this choice. Because he doesn't want you feeling like you had to repent. I had to be baptized. Do I have to do that, Pastor? No, you don't have to do anything. You've got free choice. And this is America we're living in, guys. The land of the free. You can do whatever you want to do. So I, I can't tell you what to do. I can't make you do it. But I can beg you. And today I'm begging you. Choose life over death. Choose life over death because he's still the God of resurrection power. He's still a God who can change your life. And you may not be Nineveh. I'm not murdering people. I'm not that wicked God. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're his best friend. But even his best friend died because Jesus was walking the earth then and Jesus got away from him. Lazarus in the middle of everything he had to take care of his house and he had his sisters and he had life going on and it's not bad things it's not bad things his family's great family is great it's good things jobs are good guys we need money like life we've got to do things sometimes but in the process Jesus got a little too far away Jesus got a little too far away and even somebody who loved Jesus and Jesus loved found himself in a place of death found himself wrapped in grave clothes and his face bound up dead buried in a grave with a stone rolled in front of it four days he's stinking he's dead he's gone guys but if Jesus would have been here he wouldn't have died he wouldn't have died I've often said to people, you know, I wish Jesus was still here on earth. Like, I wish we could still go over and talk to him. I wish we could have this conversation with him. No, I don't. Because he's right here now. He's right here now. I get to talk to him anywhere. I don't have to follow him to another city where he's performing miracles. I don't have to wait in line to get touched by him no more. He's alive and well right here in our city. I can talk to him anytime I want. I'm never too busy to fall back in love with Jesus again. He made it that way. So I don't have to be like Lazarus. But even if you have, maybe you're in love with him. Maybe you've been his friend. Maybe you've always cared for Jesus, but he's just gotten a little bit away from you. Just a little bit. Don't let the enemy sneak in and kill you while you're away from Jesus. 
because all you got to do, we already read it. Jesus said it. You stay in me, you'll never die. You'll never die. You'll never die. I'm speaking that over everybody in this room tonight. If you stick with Jesus, you'll never die. I don't care what the enemy throws at you. I don't care what he wants to do in your life. Right here's an altar. And if you come put your life on this altar, you'll never experience death like the world experiences death. You will live in life. So I'm going to open this altar up. This is what it was all about, guys. Like the whole weekend, all this revival, all this prayer, all this fasting, all of it was so we could feel his spirit like we feel it right now in this room. We've had a great move of God, but he's not done yet. There's still some people that feel a little bit dead in this room. Maybe they're not. Maybe God's already brought them back to life. They still got a little bit of grave clothes on, guys. Let's come to the altar today. Let's come to this altar today. Let's unwrap some people in Jesus' name today. Let's get the grave clothes out of here today. Let's throw them on the altar and watch them burn, guys. Because we serve a God of life. We don't serve a God of death. We serve a God of life. And right here is your opportunity. You don't have to wait for anything come forward now we've got elders up here we want to pray life into you we want to speak life over you we want the enemy to fail and God to win and all it requires is for us to believe hallelujah Jesus speak life into these people Lord breathe your life into this building today God nobody leaves the way they came God I don't care what plans the enemy has for my life. I serve a resurrecting God. Oh, let's fall in love with Jesus. Let's tell him how much we love him. Oh, let's fall in love with Jesus.